record. Hello everyone, welcome to the Mike Armstrong podcast show and this morning I'm joined by Chris Wagner. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's Voynar. V-O-Y-N-A-R is the pronunciation. Chris anyway, Voynar. Good try, Mike. Chris yeah. Voynar. <laughs> Voynar. And uh, yeah, he's all, all the way uh, in Ireland this morning and we're going to have a chat about business and uh, networking, lockdown, all those sort of things. And we met during the Outstanding Network and I'm sure we'll cover that at some point as well. How are you doing this morning, Chris? You okay? I'm absolutely superb, thanks, Mike. Yeah, I'm here in the west of Ireland. I'm down here uh, on a bit of fishing and golfing break for the week and it's a very stormy 4-7 lake. So I doubt if we'd be fishing or golfing today, so well, it's uh, a reset and we'll have a look. It's a day to catch up on all of your communications then, including the, the podcasting, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, the yeah. place I usually like to start with people, because obviously it's very topical, um, especially as I started my podcast in the lockdown, and obviously things are starting to come out now, uh, out of lockdown, but it's still very topical. What have you been doing in the lockdown? How has it affected your business? And, and, and have you done any pivoting or anything different during that time? Well, as you know, Mike, we've been, uh, I've been in the retail business in uh, home decoration products for oh, over nearly 50 years. Um, and the lockdown was the sort of uh, retailing that you might have always, uh, we might have joked, listen, if all our customers could just ring up, pay for their product beforehand, collect it, wouldn't that be great? And that's exactly what happened uh, during the lockdown because obviously everything was closed, but people were at home. They started painting. Uh, we ran out of paint very, very quickly. Uh, it was all sold through Facebook and Instagram. And uh, so we were very, very busy while still adhering to the, uh, to the rules and the regulations and uh, social distancing, etc. But on a number of occasions when we were stopped by uh, the Garda over here uh, and asked where I was going and all the rest of it, and, you know, they, my answer to them was, look, I'm not doing anything different than Amazon are doing. Or I'm just delivering the product. Uh, and it, the lockdown, you know, it was good for it was good for the retail side. So that's that's the way we we handle it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So so you become you know you become more like you say like an Amazon, like a like a, an online or a, or a you know website yeah. or a social media ordering platform with with, with a delivery service. Yeah, exactly. So you know, uh, but most of the customers it was pick and collect at the door. And uh, we, you know, realistically, we didn't even have to turn the lights on in the shop, so it was very low overhead and and very high sales. So yeah, it was so retailing. Yeah, it was good, good, good timing for you then. Yeah, so 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 like a lot of us businesses who you know were doing stuff online anyway. You know, you already had you know Facebook and and, and the website and a lot of infrastructure set up. So so pivoting wasn't you know, too hard, you know, and there have been other retailers and other businesses who had to maybe set up some of that infrastructure, you know, set up apps or set up, you know, online sites in order to be able to start taking transactions. But once they got those out of the way, then most of the retailers have then been able to just carry on trading then. Yeah, well, we actually had to shut down the website because a lot of the product that people were wanting just wasn't available. So we diverted it all to Instagram and uh, mainly Facebook, and people would uh, ring up, they'd ask for what they wanted, we could either, I mean, we were only able to cater for, 
I'd say about a third of the demand because the suppliers were in lockdown and they had logistical problems replenishing the stocks and all that sort of thing. So um, it was, it was, they were, you know, the sales were very, very good, but we could have done three times the amount of business, but look, that's the way it goes, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's always good to, um, you know, there were some people who were completely locked down, if you like, and not able to pivot. And there were some people who were were locked down on one business or their main business, but they managed to set up and, and, and pivot another. So, um, you know, yeah, whichever. Yeah. It, it created a lot of opportunities as well and woke people an awful lot of up woke people up to the other opportunities that are out there but then there was a lot of people who decided oh no this is like a holiday <laughs> i'm getting paid to be at home but yeah. look that's every everybody meets the challenges in different ways don't they yeah definitely definitely and um and obviously you're you're very experienced in retail so i usually ask people a little bit about their background but you know i i know your background but maybe for our audience you can give us a little bit of your retail background etc but also I know you do a lot more than just yeah. the, the retail as well. So do you want to give us a sort of full picture of, of, of what you do and, and what different businesses you're involved in? Yeah, well, as I say, I started out working in uh, my dad's uh, business, which was my, my grandparents' business before that. My mum and dad bought it from them. So it, it moved on into third generation and very, very few family businesses actually managed to get past the first generation. So. We're in the we were we're third generation, and uh, uh, I started working at the counter at thirteen during every time I had a break, and then went in full time uh, at seventeen. And uh, I uh, came from, I suppose, uh, a, a privileged background. Was brought up in the leafy suburbs of Oxford, Dublin, eighteen, uh, private school, all that sort of thing. And um, then the business got into trouble and. We started again from uh, one shop in Capel Street by taking over a, a family business that uh, the gentleman was retiring, a Jewish man called uh, uh, Mr. Wiener uh, in Capel Street. And um, we sold mainly decorating products specializing in wallpaper. Wigeter's was the first uh, wallpaper shop in Dublin, established in 1783, and it had gone through a few families. Uh, from Wigeters to Mr. Wieners to, to the Voiners, so everybody thought, "Oh boy, this is a uh, this is a you know a, a business passing from one Jewish family to another." In fact, my dad came from Vienna in Austria, so um, uh, and he had married my mum, and she was Irish, and that's how that all came about. But uh, yeah, we started there, and uh, um, we built it. Uh, myself, my brother and sisters, with the dad, uh, with my dad, and uh, we built it to ooh, around about 10, 11 stores. And then uh, dad uh, passed on in 1993, and my brother and myself went about building it up to 30 stores. So um, we went from one to 30, and then around about the early noughties, um, wallpaper was going out of fashion. It was our main um, margin line, our income line. Uh, we were up against the B&Qs in Ireland, the Woodies and the home bases and all taking what was basically the footfall by way of uh, what they do is they'd use white paint as a loss leader to attract the footfall. And um, between that and what were 
uh, fairly restrictive um, upward only rent reviews in some of the stores. We had a good balance of freehold and leasehold, but um, the plan was out of the business that to generate enough business so we would use all the business to pay off the loans for the freehold properties and end up with a portfolio property for our retirement. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, we decided then that look, we're beginning to push water up the hill. Um, the market was very, very strong, and we started about disposing uh, of the shops. And we took about two years to uh, downsize the business to just one store on Long Mile Road. So I've worked with the business from one shop to 30 and back to one and had all the fun and experience of, of, of that journey. Yeah. And that brought us to the crash of 2008. And um, um, life has been very diff diff different since, since, since that all came about. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of, um, I think, with the 2008 uh, crash, everything sort of plateaued after that for a while. And, you know, there wasn't, you know, I think um, since that time, you know, um, people's earnings, I think, uh, haven't gone up that much, but cost of living has kept going up every year so people's real earnings i think as a majority as a as an economy people haven't really recovered since 2008 and obviously this global recession is going to mean it's probably not going to be recovered now till till 2030 or something like you know or, or beyond no probably um yeah so there's still a lot of people uh in negative equity in their you know in their homes or in their property portfolios and whatever um and you know that's affected us because uh, we basically, having downsized the business, um, what was considered to be quite reasonable, uh, we had about three million worth of borrowings on a building worth over nine million. So the loan to value was was good, and then of course the crash came, and uh, suddenly we had uh, three million worth of borrowings on a building that went from nine million down to 900,000 by 2013. So now uh, <laughs> the bank are paying more attention to you. And uh, so we've been in that battle for all those years, uh, not out of it yet, but you know, getting, getting out of it. Um, we're not retailing anymore. We've leased or licensed off the brand Wigaters and basically, uh, the last premises we had, which was 39,000 square foot premises on, in a good location here in, uh, or sorry, in Dublin on the Longmire Road. Um, so we turned that into licensees and uh, short-term lets and 26, 27 tenants there. So I'm a bit of a, what I might call be a, a reluctant landlord. But yeah. that's been fun too, because a lot of those businesses were startup businesses. And uh, I find myself uh mentoring and helping them uh with their businesses given my lifetime experience in in business as such and uh, that opened up new avenues for me because i um uh, started uh, as out as a an independent business consultant helping people build or their business sell their business um or their product and uh that's I've had great fun doing that, and that's probably what I'm going to do uh, for the future. I don't see myself ever fully retiring. Yes, I'd like to spend more time in nicer climates, but uh, 
there's no buts involved in it. Really. That's that's the goal, and that's that's what I'm going to do. I have a couple of passions in my life, which one is golf, and I have a very promising young lady daughter who's uh, heading in that direction, and um, that's that's where the future is uh, going to take me. Yeah. Yeah, so you're going to um, mix, mix, mix in uh, helping mentor and, and grow and coach business owners, if you like, whilst, you know, it, it squeeze, squeezing that work in amongst uh, trips uh, abroad, playing golf in the sun. Well, that's it. You know, I mean, I had, um, I, I have, a, a, um, I've been, I've been going down to the Algarve uh, out near, um, uh, to the Panina Golf Course, which was the first golfing destination down there for many years, and uh, I just love that area of Portugal. And uh, in February, when you can play golf in 18 degrees and get some vitamin D, rather than sitting in in dreary Dublin with the grey skies and all the rest of it. Mind you, this is August in in in, in the west of Ireland, and if I turned the camera around now and you could see the white horses on the lake, you'd say, but it's just a different. You know, it's, it's just different than when you're when you're away from from the the buzz uh, to get away and have a break, even though it's raining down here. So there's no such thing as bad weather. It's just bad clothing. I think that's the best way to put it, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Or, or um, bad bad luck if you've got to get out in it, like you know, because a lot of the time, yeah. you know, the weather. I, I look. I I work from home. I have been working from home for like eight years, and obviously, so the lockdown hasn't been much of a change for me. And uh, I've got a window which I, I sort of look out on. I'm sat in the lounge and I look out the window and the, the weather passes. I can see all sorts of different shapes and weathers and stuff in that window. Yeah. But a lot of the time I haven't got to go out in it. So it doesn't really yeah. matter what it's doing. <laughs> it's just if I see the sunshine shining through it, I think, oh, I'm going to go out today and get on my bike or, you know, go for a, a walk or a run or yeah. whatever. You know, it's, 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 it's calling yeah. me to go out when it's nice and sunny. But when I look at it and it's those... Those, like you said, those grey, cloudy, you know, Dublin days, or, or I'm in the Welsh Valleys where we have the same grey, cloudy days. Then you just think, uh, oh, I'll only nip out for a short time today, and the rest of the time I'll be happy working away on my laptop or on Zoom or, or whatever it may be, like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's all good. It's all good. I've uh, no, no complaints. Definitely. Okay. So, uh, so yeah. So, um, so what, are there any other business uh, ventures you're on then, or is it really just sort of uh, being the uh, the landlord and the uh, the mentor? No, I'm I'm involved in another um, business with uh, about about uh, four years ago, five years ago. I uh, started uh, looking at um, blockchain um, and. And cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, Bitcoin was yeah. the one, the Bitcoin one. And my story with Bitcoin is uh, uh, that uh, back in oh 2009, 2008, my one of my sons was uh, at a uh, Christmas lunch party with uh, with my ex-wife, and she had invited over some friends and family. And they had this agreement before that they'd have this Chris Kindle. I, I don't know whether you're familiar, but everybody brings along a, a gift uh, of the same value. So it was 50 euros worth. Was the, everybody brought along a gift. And uh, you pick out one of the gifts and, you know, that's it. That's the present. So uh, my son picked out an envelope and the envelope said, uh, 
you know, Bitcoin, $50, and a whole string of numbers and letters. And that was his private key, as I understand it now. Yeah. And he gave it to me a few years later and said, listen, I don't understand this stuff. But he, gave, he threw it at me. And uh, I had it in my wallet for many, many years. And about 2016, a friend of mine walked into me and started talking about another cryptocurrency. Uh, and he said, oh, this is the bee's knees and blah, 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 blah. I looked at it and I said, is that? And he was talking about Bitcoin. I said, I think I have one of those things somewhere and all the rest of it. Anyway, if, you know, all depending, Bitcoin came out, I think first was uh, 2008. It was the first blockchain uh, cryptocurrency. And if you divide 50 euros, 666 bitcoins, 600 or 668. So I don't know, but this young fellow who came was a nerdy 14-year-old kid who was, they could never get off the internet. And uh, he had been there from the beginning. So um, when Bitcoin went to $20,000, I had, when I thought I was going through all my financial uh, difficulties, um, um, I was actually sitting on an awful lot of money at some stage, somewhere between you know, 66 million or something around that. So I went looking for my, my card with the little stuff on it. And of course, like a lot of people, uh, I don't have it anymore. I couldn't find it. Yeah. <laughs> it's there somewhere, but I haven't been able to find it. But that kicked off my interest in blockchain. I met a blockchain professor here in Dublin, and uh, we discussed a number of ideas and the possibilities. Uh, of a blockchain uh, tokenized business, tokenization. Um, uh, and we've come up with the business called uh, Block Energy, which is all around uh, sustainable, renewable um, projects. And basically, we're, we're working on two at the moment, which is all around uh, solar PV and car park, um, car park charging ports. Uh, based again, all, all the electricity being created by uh, on, on solar PV. But then we've got other projects in terms of wind and wave and hydro uh, um, as well. So we are going to go to market at some stage. I would say, well, COVID has knocked things a little bit in its head um, within the next six months, and uh, we'll tokenize that and uh, launch it with uh, um, uh, the equivalent of an IPO. And that's exciting. And that's, that's, that's at, a, at a different scale to uh, the micro um, business startups and helping SMEs uh, develop and sell their businesses. So that's, that's where I'm at at the moment, Mike. Yeah, okay, that sounds all interesting. So, 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 because obviously, I think Bitcoin's been going up a lot, you know, since this uh, global pandemic and that people have been putting their money into Bitcoin. So, is yeah, that yeah, uh, is yeah. a good time to get into it still now at the moment? Yeah, yeah, you know, um, you see, when what's happening is because um, you can, you can, because it's transparent, the blockchain is transparent, you can see the, the wallets. That are buying, you know, millions, and I'm talking about these have to be funds. These aren't just, you know, Joe, you know, you and I and everybody else. But there's, there's like there's transactions of 20, 30, 40, 50 millions being bought, 
but we don't know who they are, but we can see the transactions. The blockchain is transparent. You can see that this is happening. So on one side of their mouth, the big funds and institutions and banking organizations are paying a lot of money in PR to, um, to put negative stuff out there around the whole cryptocurrency. But on the other side, they're hoarding it and they're using it as a store of value. And they can see that, look, you know, I think there's enough evidence out there to show us that the financial system is, you know, um, has abused its power. And when you get abuse of power, you get resistance. And when you get resistance, you get revolution. And it's just, this is the revolution that's coming down the line. Whether it's going to be five years, three years, or 10 years, there's a lot of factors. And probably the biggest factor that's going to decide is when they're going to really regulate and give serious thought to regulation around the whole cryptocurrency cryptocurrency world but they know that the only way they can stop it is by turning off the internet because yeah. you know that's it so you know they can they can they can slow it down but they're not going to be able to stop it no, so they, can, they can regulate it can't they i think that's that, that's what that's what they'll probably be trying to do like they do with with money you know, they can regulate it all they want. But, you know, Mike, if you have Bitcoin and I have Bitcoin and we can send it from my wallet, my computer to your computer and the transactions are taking decentralized without any government and without any banking uh, network behind it. You know, that's they haven't cracked how they're going to stop it. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Uh, yeah, see yeah. So they can. They can regulate it and stuff. They can't really stop it or prevent it or tax it. No, well, that's the problem, isn't it? Is how do they tax it? Well, that's it, you know. And and that's and as soon as they they do come up with you know and realize that this is, this is a fact and it's there, but you know it it is going to be there now. The the Bitcoin was the first, so it's still not that uh, easy to go into a coffee shop and buy a coffee with you know with your Bitcoin wallet. Now, there's a number of platforms out there that work with it, but until there's a cryptocurrency that is in use every day. Now, there's a few, and the one I got involved in, the model was for that, and it had a huge transaction speed, blah, 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 blah. But until that comes into place, it's not going to be in its everyday use, if you understand me. You know, it's, it's not going to be that cup of coffee, there's my card. You can do it at the moment through a few different platforms, but there's uh, a few. Uh, don't Visa, Visa have a Bitcoin card, don't they? Yeah, they've adapted, but you, you'll find that there's somebody using Visa's platform, or there's somebody using Mastercard's platform. You understand me? You know, but yeah. the, the technology behind it isn't Visa's. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so uh, you know, uh, we're, I'm working, uh, as I say, with the professor and. Uh, the guys that we were involved in with uh, the other one, um, uh, um, Carta, they, they have the uh, platform there for all the contactless payments and Uber platforms. So they were a very, very big um, software company that had all the uh, necessary skills to put together a platform. And that is going to happen. That's just a matter of time before that there is a particular coin that you can actually just spend as you do a, a mainstream fiat currency at the moment. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I know, you know, um, I myself haven't got into Bitcoin, um, but uh, I know lots of my friends have. And now I've got a friend who's a Bitcoin billionaire. Um, he put a lot of his money, he took it out of property and put it into Bitcoin a long time ago. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, he, he went all in and uh, quite a few of my mates. And I know there's quite a few things where you can sort of like mine Bitcoin and build your own Bitcoin. I don't understand that bit, but yeah. that works. But well. Well, you need you need huge power at a very very competitive prices like electrical power at very very competitive prices to do the mining, and you need you need very very strong um, computing power, and that putting that together, uh, I, I think the average when Bitcoin goes below four thousand, they're losing money. They can't mine Bitcoin below four thousand dollars. Now they just had what they call a a hard fork in 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 Bitcoin there a few months ago, and that means that it's going to take more power to mine a Bitcoin. So, but the bottom line is there will only ever be X amount of Bitcoin ever mined because it's a mathematical equation. So, supply and demand dictates that down the road there's only going to be so many of them. That's it. It's not like gold where they might find another big stream of gold somewhere in Australia. There will only ever be so many Bitcoin, and I think everybody, most people out there think, oh, it's now it's gone to whatever it is. I don't think it's somewhere near $11,000 or 9,000 odd euros or something at the moment. And I have to buy one. I say, you don't. You can buy 100 euros worth of Bitcoin. You can build up a, a little nest egg in Bitcoin when you have 50 euros to spare. Or as a friend of mine did, he, he went off cigarettes. And all the money he's paying off cigarettes every time he's got a hundred or two hundred euros, he's buying, he's buying Bitcoin, yeah. and that's his way of getting off cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. I, I did the same thing when I give up smoking. I had one of those, um, you know, like those Bell's whiskey jars, the big ones that used to. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, had one yeah, of them. Yeah, and I used yeah. to put all my loose change in at the end of every day because that'd be like what I would have spent on fags. Yeah, 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 and you know, you, you've got the visual. There it is. Thank you very much. And now he's got an interest in his Bitcoin portfolio that you know, he's, he, uh, he started out at, uh, I think he went in in the early part of this year, February, March, when it was down around about three, three and a half thousand. So like he's getting a buzz out of giving up cigarettes. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. He's like, uh, he's growing his habit. He's like, oh, I'm not on 20 a day anymore. I'm on 40 a day. Just sort of whack yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. How much is your? How much is that fifty pound uh, worth now? Well, if you multiply six hundred and sixty-six by ten thousand dollars, you've got you know. Or if it was six thousand six hundred and sixty-six. So if I have, if I find it, Mike, and you you get a you, you you see me up on Facebook out in some foreign place, you'll you'll know I, I found, know, it, right? found it, right? Found it, yeah, yeah. You'll be, you'll be first. You'll be first. I'll give a ring to, to come down and have a have a drink with me. <laughs> great, great, yeah. And uh, I think I have actually got some myself somewhere. Or, or, I, I, again, I was given uh, a key, and I think I might have been given fifty quid or hundred quid or maybe even two hundred quid or something uh, about three, four, five years ago, something like that. I could probably oh, find fine. it. I'd have to dig it out in emails or. I remember I set yeah, up a well, wallet. Well done, well done. It will have it's there. It's worth a few bob. I mean, all depending. I think it was two thousand and uh, 
was it early now 20 i think it was 2018 was the max of 2017-18 when it went to $20,000 and then it crashed and everybody said, oh, that's the end of it. No, 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 no. <laughs> no it, goes up and, it, goes up and, it goes up and down a bit like house prices, but it, the, the trajectory is always up. Well, yeah, look, look at it from 2009, 2008-2009.06 to uh, 10,000 whatever it is dollars today. Uh, That's not a bad return, is it? No, no, it's not. No. Yeah. So I know there's a lot of um, there are some real estate companies that sell their houses in Bitcoin, and there's, there's uh, I know I've seen some web design companies who you know sell their websites in Bitcoin. So I've seen you know there's a few oh, people yeah. dotted around here and there, probably making quite a lot. Like I say, my I met Adrian. He, he calls himself the Bitcoin billionaire. Uh, I think he's done all right out of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think uh, just to concentrate on Bitcoin alone, but the, the opportunities are out there in the blockchain. And if, if you go and you start um, researching and educating yourself on the blockchain, there's a, a very good um, uh, YouTube video up there by uh, a guy called Don Tapscott, T-A-P-S-C-O-T-T, on the blockchain. And if you have a look at that and do your research into the blockchain, if you're of an entrepreneurial mind, uh, you can see the opportunities that it's going to present. Because you can, instead of going down the uh, route of, um, you know, your startup and doing an IPO on the traditional to the, to the stock market, which they, they love you to do that and all the rest of it because you're back into the financial, you can do an ICO, an initial corn offering, coin offering, um, and, or, you know, or, or token, which is basically giving people an opportunity to buy tokens in your business idea and see the growth without the interference of banks and the stock market. And yes, you are on uh, um, whichever exchanges you want to go on. And the issue there at the moment is that there's maybe, I don't know, maybe about 2,000 exchanges and 4,000 coins or tokens out there. And that will all... That will all uh, when regulation comes in, um, it'll be a little bit like the dot-com era, in my view, that uh, when, when it was all cleaned out, you maybe had 10 or 15 top companies there, the Googles, the Twitters, the Facebooks, and all the rest of it. And whether that clean-out is going to happen in the next two years or one year or whatever, it all depends how quickly they gear up all the regulation. But you're right, after COVID and this particular um, this particular, well, let's call it a, a recession, um, there, things are going to speed up even faster, much faster. I remember in 2018 meeting a former advisor to the US Fed at a conference, um, and uh, um, he told me, hey, Chris, look, he said, there's a major crash coming. He said, I can't tell you when it's going to be, but it's a major crash coming. Because he said, following the 2008 crash, and this is from a man who was well-connected, as he called himself, a Wall Street guy. Yeah. He said, the only thing they've changed since the 2008 crash is their suits. That's yeah. the only thing they've changed. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the problem, this is what I, I, I'm a bit, I studied economics in, uh, in college, like, you know, and I like to study a bit yeah. of the economy and that sort of thing. And, and what, I've, what I've seen is that um, 
because of all of the quantitative easing and the low interest rates and everything, they've allowed everyone to carry on with their bad behavior. So rather than before they used to be boom and bust, now it's just like, it's like bust, but the bust just goes on forever because it doesn't really properly bust. It just is a softening of the, of the situation. So nobody learns the lessons. So it just carries on. So the behavior becomes the same thing. So people are borrowing too much money and, and the lenders are, you know, um, charging too much as well and, and all of that. So I think like before, everyone would have been burnt. The people who, who, who gambled too much would have checked their behavior in a bit and then things would build again uh, and that's how it would go. But now everyone just, no, nothing really changes because the, the, the government makes the interest rate so low. So people keep borrowing and keep borrowing and keep borrowing. And uh, it's all still balancing on a knife edge all of the time. You know, the, the economy's really, it only takes one thing and uh, we're all in a mess again. And, and, and I think, you know, this obviously COVID is, is, is one major thing, but it could be anything at any time. I think we're always susceptible to something going, something changing in the economy. And, and then, you know, it'd be in another bust and another problem for a while, but um, we've never actually overcome the last one. No, and you know the the stats are still there, isn't it? That less than one percent of the world's population is handling and owns over ninety odd percent of the world's wealth and income, and uh, that that isn't that is that isn't changing, you know. And, and most when, people when are that's one, one, one paycheck away from being bust themselves, like you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. and it's not so, going to be you know, encouraged because people used to save years ago. So, so we, but, but the percentage of people saving used to be so small. But now nobody even saves because, like, you know, there's no point. You've got, you don't, you don't make, make no money saving. So they forced people no. to either be entrepreneurs and take risks, which actually is a good thing. But, but, but also, you know, they, they made a lot of people not bother saving because... There's no point, you, you know, you're losing money by saving money, if you like. So, so, you know, they're encouraging people as well just to, just to live day to day and have no, have no back, backup, like, you know? Well, well, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm very lucky to have uh, um, seven, uh, you know, two daughters and, and five sons. And, you know, um, I would have always said to them, look, you know, the system wants you to get an education, uh, get your, you know, get your degree, uh, get a job, get married, get a mortgage, a car loan, credit car loan, and trap you for uh, doing the 40-40-40, which is work 40 years of your life uh, for 40 hours a week and end up on 40% of what you need to, uh, to live on. In fact, it's probably working 50 hours a week and ending up with 30% of what you live on, you want to live on now. But that's, that's the system. But, you know, that is it. And the financial system is behind that. And it's not that much different when you look at, as you say, working from one paycheck to the next, uh, back to where you, you had slavery. There's, the majority of people out there are trapped. Well, they yeah, that, you know, slavery has never been abolished. Slavery has never been no. abolished. It, it just went from um, uh, white people owning black people, which is what traditional slavery was, to now corporate people owning the masses. There. Sorry, Mike. Sorry. That's okay. There we are. Are you there? Yeah. I yeah, don't yeah. know what the hell that came in. That must have been a, 
I don't know why I turned it off the other thing, but it must have been a, a, a WhatsApp call. Hope you can edit that out of it anyway. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. You know, um, ITV have uh, these things. You know, watch the telly and they have people freeze and things happen that, that, that unexpected. It's just part of life these days with, with technology, etc. But, um, but yeah, you know, um, I think, uh, I think, yeah, what, what, what I was saying was it's gone from sort of white people owning black people which was what was traditional slavery, which is great that that's been abolished, but it's moved to corporate people owning the masses. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And slavery it. is exactly, it, it exists. It's just in a different form. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we here in Ireland are lucky in many ways to have these big tech companies, but you know, I have nephews and nieces working in them. And, uh, I went into LinkedIn there last year and was brought around by my nephew and great buzz and loads and loads of people around. But there wasn't anybody under 40. <laughs> In fact, I probably, I didn't see anybody maybe under 35. <laughs> so yeah, if they can get in and make plenty of old dash in there and sw because, you know, they're being uh, paid good money, but they're working long hours and it's very, it's very intense and, and good luck to them. You know, but you know what? What's next after that? That's what I, one has to ask oneself. But that's it. You know, but when it came comes down to it, the the backbone of our economy over here is still the SME, the small medium enterprise art um, um, uh, um, family businesses, entrepreneurs. They're the backbone of most of the economies. And that, that's why I try and encourage more people to go into that as well, because at least when they're doing their slavery, because we're all in, enslaved with economic slaves, you know, but at least when they're doing their slavery, it's on their terms. That's the way I look yeah, at it. Exactly. I'm, I'm an SME, yeah. but, but at least I get to shape my day. So I, I, I have yeah. freedom outside of slavery by the fact that I can actually choose what I want to do when I want to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I'm still yeah. a slave, you know, because we still got bills we got to pay and everything. So I can only do what I want to do when I want to do it to a point. I'm still going to work, yeah. you know, I'm still going to enslave myself to the system in order to be able to live in, in the economy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, uh, I, I love the one, uh, I don't know if you've ever met our uh psychologist friend dr francis velour over here and he has a famous thing he says listen guys die empty in other words don't don't take all those dreams and, and uh, goals to the grave with you die empty you know do them yeah. you know, because you know and i know so many guys that maybe went into a particular industry maybe even a civil servant or something like that with you know ideas in their head and when they retire because they never ever, you know, explored all those ideas and goals. Um, unfortunately, you know, they generally they don't have the great life in retirement because they've never lived their passions. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I, I have the same sort of uh, saying, if you like, or motto with life, which is uh, live with no regrets. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. So, uh, so yeah, well, uh, I'm conscious we've both got uh, other things we've got to do in our day. Yep. So um, yep. it's been uh, great yep. getting you on, Chris, and sharing some of your knowledge, experience and wisdom with uh, my, my listeners and my audience. 
how do people get in touch with you um, if they, you know, if they like what they've heard and maybe they want to have you do a bit of business consultancy with them or a bit of Bitcoin up, or anything else? I'm up there on uh, I'm up there on Facebook and uh, uh, my email, which you you have there, and uh, my my status is there on Messenger. So. And WhatsApp and my, my telephone number is fine. I can share that out with you, Mike. And uh, look, I'm I'm there. If any, I, I'm very open-minded to business opportunities and uh, whatever field they're in. And I love all the technology. And uh, I look forward to meeting some of your network as well. And uh, thank you very much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful day. Okay, brilliant. All right, then. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot for that. And uh, there's nothing else left for me to say other than have a great day. I know I will. And thanks very much for listening. This episode was brought to you in conjunction with Startup and SME Web Design Business 333 Websites, which are available at www.333websites.co.uk and Mike Armstrong's coaching, which is available at uh, mikearmstrong.me forward slash coaching. Um, there's nothing else left for me to say now other than have a great day. I know I, I will. And don't forget, you can do it. Thank you very much for listening. Cheers. Bye-bye.